There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 69, and this is Devraga Personal Finance. And in this episode, we'll discuss about annuities. A big shout out to Facebook follower Azad Jay for suggesting this topic. I personally learned a lot from this researching about this topic as well. So thank you very much, Azza, for the shout out to discuss about annuities. Now, for those that are new to the channel, there are three main aims of my podcast channel. Number one, educate. Number two, empower. And number three, entertain. Remember, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a financial planner. Make sure you take any financial decisions you want to take and make sure you make it with your appropriate advisors. If you're stuck on what to do, I think there are some simple steps to get you in the right track when it comes to saving, investing and personal finance in general. In my humble view, there are five easy steps which anybody could do today. Step one, pay yourself first. That is the main premise of how I got started in this podcast channel. Take 20% of your after-tax money and put it aside. That is your money. That is your money that you paid yourself. Step two, invest that money. Ideally, something that you understand about investment or you want to understand about investment. I just invest in index funds because the cost is low, the investments are relatively cheap, and the process is automated. Step three, reinvest the dividends. The power of compounding is absolutely vital. People ask me, why not just cash in dividends? Remember, if you cash in dividends, you might have to declare it as an income, which means taxation applies. Yes, you will get cranking credits and all that sort of stuff, but always reinvest dividends. Step four, do it for the long term. I'm not talking five, 10, or not even 15 years. I'm talking minimum 20, 30, 40 plus years. If you're a 20-year-old listening to this podcast channel now, imagine how much wealth that you would have if you kept investing consistently for 40 plus years. Step five, automate. That's my favorite step. What that means is you automate the investment and do it repeatedly forever. So in my personal life, I just take 20% of my after-tax income, put it into the index fund, and then let the dividends keep reinvesting. And every fortnight when I get paid, I take another 20% and it just takes happens automatically. I don't have to do it manually. I've set up a BPAY payment and I'm with Vanguard. It's extremely easy to do. Now, if you did these steps, you're more likely to have more money than you'll ever need. And remember, money is just a tool. It doesn't bring happiness. Use it as a tool to make your life and the people's lives around you much better. Now, last time I released an episode, I talked about markets and pandemics and what a difference two weeks makes, okay? The COVID-19 um, pandemic has just escalated, particularly in the last fortnight. But thankfully in Australia, there's more public awareness 
and but there's much more to be done. Now, there are four things that you can do right now to help prevent an absolute disaster in terms of a healthcare crisis in Australia. Now, remember, we're very much in the red in terms of danger in this country. We are certainly not out of the woods. So here are the four things I want you to think about, particularly if you're not a healthcare professional. Number one, hand washing. Make sure you hand wash as much as you possibly can. Hopefully, when you touch dirty surfaces, including your wallet, your car, um, handling paper money, handling your credit card, locks, keys, um, kitchen items, just make sure you wash your hands and make sure you use soaps. Number two, social distancing. This phrase has been used so much recently, but what that means is essentially try and maintain a 1.5 metre distance between you and the person that you might be with. Now, that also means not going out for coffees or teas with friends or family, not having house parties, not inviting people over to your house. Yes, it's difficult, it's a hard pill to swallow, but these are things that you can do mostly to protect yourself. Most importantly, though, to protect the vulnerable Australians around you. Number C, learning about flattening the curve. This is really interesting, and I've learned a lot about this as well. Now, what that means is, we can't let everyone get the virus or get sick all at once because the health system just will not cope. By doing social distancing, hand washing and basic public health principles and concepts and practicing it in your own life, you can make sure that the rate of infection slows so that the curve is lengthened and as a result, everyone can still survive this virus and it doesn't affect the health system as much as possible. Think about it this way. You know how you go to the shopping centre and you're looking for toilet paper and there's no toilet paper? Imagine if you went to the hospital or the ICU and there's no ventilators. That could be a reality in Australia within the next four weeks if we're not careful. And number four, stay home as much as possible, especially if unwell. If you don't need to go outside and mingle, don't. If you don't need to go outside, don't. So those are the four things that you can do to help all Australians today. In financial news, now the stock market I just checked before this podcast episode uh, went live. Um, it's up again today, now past 5,000 points. Now that's still um, down 30% from the all-time highs of 7,200 back in late January. Um, so people ask me, is now is a good time to invest? Look, I don't time the market. I think any time is a good time to invest because it tells me that you're thinking about saving the money and putting it aside and automating that investment and most of all, reaping the rewards of the dividends. So now is always going to be better than tomorrow in my view. And remember, time the market, not timing the market. What that means is you need to keep invested in the market for as long as possible for you to reap the benefits and rewards of the market. You can ride out this wave if you just keep the money in. Don't panic sell. Superannuation, just a small thought here. Make sure that you maximize your super if you can. Remember, you will get more for your buck today than you did just a few months ago. And that's a concept known as dollar cost averaging. And of course, in stimulus packages, Australia and the United States and global 
Um, governments are just pouring money into preventing an absolute economic disaster potentially coming our way globally, not just Australia, globally. So when people ask me, where should I invest my money? Well, if you invested in the US stock market, there's nowhere to hide. If you invested in the FTSE 100, nowhere to hide. If you invested in the Sensex in India, nowhere to hide. All of the global markets are collapsing. So that's why I don't invest overseas personally, just for the same reason that I don't buy property overseas personally either. Now, just bearing a thought, the economic impacts of this COVID-19 crisis will be immense. Already, there's thousands of job losses. Already, there's thousands of losses of small businesses, okay? But to minimize the time of lockdown or staged restrictions, it's important to heed the advice now. This is one of the best ways to get over this crisis health-wise but also get over this crisis economically. It's a very hard pill to swallow, but it's a bit like ripping out a Band-Aid, okay? I'm not trying to trivialize the situation, but just bear with me for a sec. When ripping off a Band-Aid, you've got two options. You can do it slowly, or you can do it quickly. If you did it quickly, it's a little bit more painful, but the pain kind of disappears really quickly. If you did it slowly, it's painful for a lot longer, and it just takes a lot longer. So I think if we all hear advice, we can flatten that curve as much as we possibly can, and we can all get back to living life. We can all have our freedoms back. We can all spend money. We can fly anywhere in the world. Uh, we can you know, go to as much weddings as possible or have birthday parties, whatever it is. So think about that bridge that we're crossing together as Australians and make sure that we can all do the things that that we love in the future so just a little bit of sacrifice at present so that's enough of devraga preaching uh if you wanted to call it that today's main topic is about annuity what is an annuity it's a financial instrument mainly used in retirement so that you can have a fixed stream of income for your lifetime or for a defined period of time Annuities are very common in retirement and can be used in conjunction with other retirement strategies like term deposits, dividends, capital gains sell-off, rental income and or superannuation pension plans or age pension. Now essentially it's a form of contract between you and an insurance company. You pay them a lump sum of money or money over a period of time and they promise to pay you back in your retirement a fixed stream of income. Now, it's fixed, which means it doesn't change depending on the market. That's really critical, and I'll get back to that later in the episode. The companies that provide annuity contracts take your money and invest it. However, they want to make more money, right? And they just promise you to give you a fixed stream of income in return. So they invest the money. If they make a lot of money, they pay you the fixed stream of income, and they keep the profits. But you don't have any choice in where your money gets invested, this is relatively important, especially if you have a strong social feeling about what type of investments you want your money to go into. So where will your lump sum payment come from if you want to do a annuity? Number one, asset sell-offs. You can share your, um, sell your shares, sell your bonds, your real estate investments. Number two, superannuation. When you reach preservation age, which is around 55 to 60 years of age in Australia, you'll be able to take some of that money and put it into your annuity with an insurance company and leave the rest for your superannuation to pay you a pension. And number three, 
Remember, you can't use your super money before your preservation age and then transfer it into an annuity contract. It's prohibited. You must also meet the condition of release, which means you are retiring permanently. So, for example, I'm working full-time at the moment. I can't have an annuity. I can't use my super to buy an annuity. So, how long can you buy an annuity for? Well, there are three main options. One is fixed number of years. Two is for the entire life expectancy or three is rest of your life. The life expectancy is based on the median Australian life expectancy. Now, can you buy an annuity in various names, your name, your wife's name, partner's name, whatever? Well, it really depends on where the money comes from. If using your super, you can only buy it in the same name as the super. For example, I can't use my super, if I've reached preservation age, to buy an annuity under my wife's name. But if you're using other assets, joint name annuities are possible. This means the income is split, which means taxation is less. There's a fair bit of advantage there. But if one of the owner dies, then the other owner receives the benefit and vice versa. You have to work it out contractually in that annuity contract. Now, you've done your annuity. You've done your fixed number of years. You've chosen which name to buy the annuity. How often can you get paid with an annuity? Well, you can decide the payment amount you want and at what intervals you want when you buy the annuity. Payments can be monthly, quarterly, half yearly or yearly. Note that if you're using your super money to buy an annuity, then you must meet the minimum amount paid guideline, which is set by the ATO. So what does that mean? What is the minimum amount guideline? Well, the ATO sets the guide on this. For example, for under 65 years of age, the minimum amount is 4% of the super value. As you age, the minimum amount increases. So when you reach age 95 or above, the minimum amount is up to 14%. So what happens when you die if you have an annuity? If you die, you'll have a beneficiary who will continue to receive the payments, but there are two separate options. One is a reversionary beneficiary, which means you nominate a beneficiary and that person will receive lifetime payments when you die. But the payments are at a reduced rate, usually around 60% of your annuity contract. Or number two, there is a guaranteed period and beneficiary, which you nominate a beneficiary and that person will receive the same payment you received for the fixed period of time. So the beneficiary has a choice to receive it as a lump sum payment though, when they die, or when you die, beg your pardon, or as a payment similar to any income stream. So is an annuity payment taxed at marginal tax rates? Now this has accounting and tax implications and the answer is yes. This is one of the biggest disadvantages of annuities. The annuity is considered an income for the purposes of assessment of assess, um, assets and age pension. So taxation definitely applies. You don't get any capital gains tax discounts. You don't get any franking benefits, like when you get dividend income, and you definitely don't get franking credits. So, is an annuity good for a period of time like this, with COVID-19 and markets tanking and pandemic fears happening? So what happens then when the share market tanks like it has with the global recession fears with COVID-19? This is an excellent pro of the annuity. And this is why this topic ties in with my previous episode about markets and pandemics and the current situation globally. The annuity still gets paid at the set interval you've determined. Whatever happens in the global markets, you still get your money. Therefore, global share market performance or global economy worries doesn't affect annuity. It's a very stable form of retirement income.
Now, there are different types of um, uh, sort of annuities, I guess, in a way, and, and, and there's a specific concept in annuities called index annuity. What does that mean? You can buy an annuity which keeps pace with inflation. This is very similar to income protection or life insurance policies, which um, you may have purchased, which have an inflation-adjusted payout amount. In my view, this is very important. Otherwise, your payout amount will reduce as years go by thanks to inflation. Now, refer to episode 27. If you don't know what inflation is, this is where I discuss the various types of inflation and how it can erode your retirement dreams. So an index annuity just means that you can buy an annuity which keeps place with inflation. So what are the pros and cons? And let's summarize. The pros are an annuity is a regular guaranteed income regardless of how the share markets perform. So it's actually quite ideal for times like this. It's very suitable for someone who doesn't want to bear investment risk. An annuity bought with super money is tax-free from age 60. An indexed annuity protects you from the rising cost of living, which means it protects you against inflation. And payments from a lifetime annuity will last as long as you do, which is fantastic. And if you nominate a reversionary beneficiary, a spouse or a dependent will receive some form of income if you die. And if you choose a fixed term guaranteed period, your estate gets some money if you die during that time. Fantastic positives and pros of annuities. What are the cons? Well, you can't really choose how your money is invested. You're giving away your capital to someone else to invest it for you in return for a fixed stream of income. Income payments will be low if the annuity starts in a period with low interest rates. So at the moment, the interest rates in Australia are so low. I think it's only 0.25% RBA rate. So your annuity uh, return might be very, very low given the economic uh, recession. So it really depends on when you started your annuity. You can't change the amount you receive in income payments uh, uh, starts. So for example, you know, your amount that you receive on month one or quarter one is going to be the same as what you receive in month 20 and quarter 20. You lock your money away until the term of the annuity ends. So you can't access that money in between and you can't withdraw your money as a lump sum. So those are the cons of annuities. So annuities in general are called defensive investment strategies. It's worthwhile discussing this concept more. So what is a defensive investment strategy? A defensive defensive investment strategy is a conservative method of portfolio allocation and management. The main aim here is to minimize the risk of losing money. Do not lose money. That is rule number one. Now, the second thing about the defensive investment strategy is what are the components about it? Okay, there are some, you know, five or six components associated with the defensive investment strategy. You've got to have a regular portfolio rebalancing. You don't want to be overexposed to stocks or overexposed to bonds, etc. You want to have asset allocation reviews, and that ties in with rebalancing. You must be buying bonds because bonds are very, very safe, especially in times like this with volatility. You know, treasury bonds are actually very safe investments. Buying blue chip stocks, which may have nice dividends, that has to be part of a defensive investment strategy diversifying across sectors and even countries. So, you know, some countries are having low losses, whereas Australia and the United States are having very high losses. Although in these sort of settings, in terms of fears of global recession, you really can't hide. But in other sort of uh, types of economic crashes, you know, for example, in the GFC, the Australian economy did reasonably well thanks to the mining boom, although our stock market still crashed. 
holding cash or cash equivalent to times of down markets, that's another component of a defensive investment strategy. Now, a defensive investment strategy is to protect investors from losing their capital. Remember, rule number one, don't lose that money. So does this mean there is no growth with defensive investment strategies? Well, no, you can still get growth. It just means it'll be modest and may not be that great. So what's the opposite? The opposite is called the offensive investment strategy, and this is when investors are aggressive in their approach to investing. Options trading, margin trading, buying during volatile markets, buying volatile indices, or even investing in emerging markets may form part of one's offensive investing strategy. So what's a good investor do? Well, a good investor could do a bit of both, right? You could do a bit of both. Both of these investing styles require active management, which may come at a hefty cost of fees. Remember, you need to actively do all of this yourself or get your financial advisor or planner to do it. So, you know, they're not going to do it for free. They're not saints. So you've got to pay them. So let's take an example of a defensive versus an offensive investment strategy and how it might change during your lifetime. So assume you're a 30-year-old engineer who has a young family and has a high-paying job, you might not be too worried about the short term. So you might want to buy as many shares and stocks as possible and actively trade them to make as much money as possible. This is considered an offensive investment strategy. He or she might be, you know, want to be buying real estate and other forms of investments, even gold or even cryptocurrency. As you get older, your family's older, you've got more commitments and you hit retirement age, you may choose to diversify into a more defensive investment strategy portfolio. So offloading some of those stocks to more bonds, more annuities, changing asset allocation from mainly volatile stocks to perhaps a conservative stock portfolio, which pay high dividends, which includes blue chip investment companies. So this kind of makes sense to the average investor, doesn't it? As you get older, you want to get a little bit more wiser and a little bit more less aggressive in terms of your investment. So this all depends on what type of investing style you want. There's no right or wrong answer. You could be 65 and be 100% into the Australian stock exchange. Uh, sorry, uh, into the Australian stock market. If you did that, you'd probably be scratching your head a little bit because you've just lost almost 30% of your value of your stock portfolio if you bought an index fund. Now, as everyone knows, I don't do offensive investment strategy or defensive investment strategy because I don't actively trade stocks. I mainly do passive investing, which means buying the ASX 200 or 300, which I guess is a form of defensive investment strategy to some extent because I'm doing buying the entire stock market, but I'm not actively investing, um, which is part of the you know, offensive strategy where you're actively trading um, stocks. So in my case, I just buy the index fund. It just mirrors the markets. The dividends keep rolling in and you get put them back into your investment, your reinvestment, and hopefully in 30 years time or more, you retire with enough money to retire. There's no secrets to it. There's nothing fancy about it. It's pretty boring. And I'm taking the tortoise approach when it comes to investing. Slow and steady, long-term approach. So that's basically what I'm doing and that's what I intend to do. So have I lost a lot of money during the last three months of investing? Absolutely. I've lost tons of money um, and I made the mistake of actually logging into my account the other day and you know my jaw dropped. But it doesn't matter. It's paper losses. I'm not going to sell it. 
It doesn't really affect me at the moment. I don't need the money. Thankfully, my job is secure, hopefully. Um, and thankfully um, that I'm in a reasonably good position. But that's not to say tomorrow might not change. That's about it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you and shout out to Azar J for this topic. Remember to like Devraga Personal Finance webpage, uh, which is www.devraga.com, or the Facebook page and shout out questions and comments or topics and suggestions by private messaging. Share this channel with family and friends at castbox.fm, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or devraga.com. And remember, always, always, always pay yourself first. Take that 20% of after-tax income and put it aside and invest it for the long term. And please, if you don't need to go out, don't go out. This is Devraga Personal Finance, episode 69. And as always, and this is more relevant today than ever, Make sure you stay safe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market